been interesting lately how God has been speaking to me concerning what I should speak about. It's just like he will impress me with a word. And I'll say, well, Lord, what do you want me to say about that particular thing? And then I found, I, I found out that the only way to find out what he wants to say about it is find out what the word says about it. And then once you find out what the word says about it, then you have to say, Lord, how do you want me to apply it? And this week, God has been, well, for the past couple of weeks, God's been dealing with me with one word, and that word is a word that is much used, but I believe in the church of Jesus Christ today is little understood and little practiced. Let me say that again. It's a much used word, but it's a word that is little understood and little practiced. But it's a very, very important word from the Scriptures. And that word is faithfulness. Faithfulness. Let me just give you again the dictionary's definition of that word faithfulness. I, I, I'm almost positive I'm not going to get through this message this morning, so you might as well just plan on having a two-part series here this morning and next Sunday morning because there's an awful lot that we need to understand about this word faithfulness. The dictionary gives this definition. I've kind of reworded some of it, but it means doing one's duty, keeping one's promise, to be loyal, constant, steadfast in your devotion to a loved one, being true to a person or a duty. Now, we use that word faithful over and over again. If I tell you, well, she's a faithful wife or he's a faithful husband, what picture comes into your mind? If I were to say to you, oh, she's a very faithful wife, immediately comes up in your mind, well, under most circumstances, she would not betray me and run off with someone else. Ninety-five percent of the time, she would, she would stay at home and do what she was supposed to do. She wouldn't run off with someone else. Is that what the picture comes in your mind when you talk about a faithful wife? A faithful husband, a devoted, faithful father. He's one that not more than three or four nights out of the year uh, stays out all night, runs off with someone else, just three or four. I mean, that isn't faithful, is it? I'm trying to give you the picture. If I say that this particular dog is a faithful dog, a hunting dog. Now, some of you love to hunt, and if I were to say to you that is a faithful hunting dog, you know what I mean. You wouldn't say it was a faithful hunting dog if in, you know, one out of ten times a jackrabbit would jump up and they'd take off after a rabbit when it's supposed to be chasing something else. You could never totally depend upon it. How about faithful brakes? You say, oh, the brakes on this car are really faithful. Some of you around here work with brakes all the time. You say, well, what do you mean by faithful? Well, most of the time when I put my foot on the brake, it works. That isn't faithful, is it? I was at Jean's this past week with my car, and I said, Jean, I haven't looked into her why, but I, I've noticed lately that the brake pedal is a little bit mushy. Now, I could tell you up to now, those brakes have been absolutely faithful. Step on them every time and it stops. He said, well, let me take a look, and he popped the lid off of the master brake cylinder, and it was down about that far in both chambers there. It wouldn't have been long before I would have had to say as I was picked up and carried out of that car, the brakes aren't faithful anymore if I hadn't filled that reservoir again. You see, when we talk about faithful, it means something that when you put your foot on it, you know that you can depend on it, you can trust in it always. If it's a faithful wife or a faithful husband, it's always there. It's always faithful. It's always consistent. It's always dependable. When we talk about faithful, we're talking about the very nature of God himself, aren't we? 
Look at uh, Deuteronomy, the seventh chapter. Deuteronomy, the seventh chapter. I said we're talking about the very nature of God. Deuteronomy 7, 9. This is a good verse to underline in case you have difficulty uh, being able to trust the Lord every day. Deuteronomy 7, 9. Deuteronomy 7, verse 9. Would you read it with me? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Know therefore, read it with me now, Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. The very nature of God is faithfulness to them that love him and keep his commandments to the thousand generations. You know, that's a pretty good promise for parents who are trying to rear their children in the fear and admonition of the Lord, isn't it? If you make a promise before God that you're going to be faithful to him, you can just depend on it that God's going to be faithful to you to a thousand generations. That's his nature, to be faithful. David, the psalmist, said, Thy faithfulness reacheth unto the clouds. That's pretty high, isn't it? You ever ask your wife or your little children, How much do you love Daddy or how much do you love Mommy? And they'll go, That much. David said, oh, that's not much. How about to the clouds? Your faithfulness, Lord, is to the clouds. Sarah, we talked, we talked about Sarah some time ago about being a woman of faith and having uh, uh, believed God for a child. After God told her she was going to have a child, came and the, the angels came and told her she was going to bear a son. And, uh, you know, she was too old for it. But if you'll look at Hebrews, the 11th chapter, in the 11th verse, there's a very interesting statement made there. Hebrews 11, 11, 11. First of all, of course, it talked about Abraham, starting with verse 8. Knowing not whither he went, he was in a strange country, and he looked for a city which had foundations, whose builder maker was God. Through faith also Sarah herself received what? Strength to conceive seed. How did she receive strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age? How did she do that? Because she judged him, what? Faithful who had promised. She said, if God said it, that's good enough for me. I know he can't lie. I know he wouldn't lie. And in Titus, when Paul was writing to Titus, he spoke of God who cannot lie. Many, many times when I'm dealing with people, I say, what does the word of God say about that? And they'll tell me and I'll say, well, uh, can you believe it? Well, I, I, I hope so. I said, wait a minute. Can God lie? Well, I don't think so. I said, wait a minute. If God had ever lie, he's not God. He can't judge me if he would lie. And the scripture says he cannot lie. And Sarah says, if God told me I'm going to have a child, even though I laughed originally, I am going to have the strength to conceive and I'm going to have the strength to bring forth the child because I know the nature of my God who told me I'm going to have a child. Do you see why faith cometh by hearing? She received a rhema and hearing by the word of God. Can you imagine the consternation that would be in the body of Christ today if we didn't know that God was faithful? Think about it. Get up in the morning and say, God, are you, are you still there? Can I still trust the word, God? Is it still good today? Wouldn't that be terrible? 
Now, let me tell you, that's not, that's not too ridiculous of a thing to say because I know of a lot of people who have trusted other books. We talked about Dr. Spock's book not too long ago. Parents t- trusted it. And today they look at it and they realize they can't trust it anymore. But the Word of God is established and settled forever in the heavens because God is faithful. You've got a need. You've got a problem in your life. You don't have to fear. God's not giving you a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind because you have a foundation upon which to build a promise, and that's upon the faithfulness of God. He never fails. What does the Chorus say? He cannot fail, for He is God. He cannot fail. He's pledged His word. He cannot fail. He'll see you through. He cannot fail. He'll answer you. Now, where'd that come from? The knowledge of the fact that God is absolutely faithful. Look in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, a very, very beautiful verse. That verse meant more to me as a new Christian than anyone will ever understand because I was going through tremendous trials and testings as a new Christian. But there was a truth there that God put down in my heart and I memorized that scripture verse. I I pasted it on the dashboard of my car. It says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But what? Say it again. God is faithful. You can depend on him. God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with that temptation make a way of escape so that you can bear it. Can I believe that? Absolutely. Why? Because God is faithful. He cannot lie. I don't know what that does for you. That makes me almost want to shout. And you know, glory to God. Our covenant relationship with God is based upon that fact that he cannot lie. We can depend on our covenant relationship with God. He wrote that new covenant for us and that we need to read the fine print and whatever it says, we can believe him for it. Our hope is based upon the faithfulness of God. Our salvation is based upon the faithfulness of God. Amen. Based upon that truth and it's secure and it's firm and it's worthy of trust because God says, I change not. I thank God that Faithfulness is the nature of God. Next, the nature of Jesus Christ is a nature of faithfulness. Like father, like son. You ever heard that? Chip off the old block. One mama said one time, yes, and too many more chips and there won't be any more old block. Faithfulness. Like father, like son. The word of God, Jesus said, if you have seen me, you've seen the father. Isn't that what he said? The disciples said, show us the Father. And he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And I've many times said to to parents, I've said, you could never deny that child. That is just you walking all over again. That's the way you walk. That's the way you talk. That's the way you act. And that's what the Word says concerning Jesus. If you've seen seen me, you don't have to worry about seeing the Father because I and the Father are alike and are one. All the way through the New Testament, it continuously refers to the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. Now, if you're trying to strengthen your faith, begin to study concerning how faithful Jesus Christ is. In Hebrews, the second chapter, in the 17th verse, it talks about this faithful high priest. You see, the book of Hebrews is continuously saying, uh, this is what you've had up till now, and this is something better. He said, you had... uh, 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 Abraham before or Melchizedek before, now you've got this high priest. 
You had the old sacrifices in the Old Testament, now you've got this better sacrifice. And he spoke here concerning the priest. He said the, the high priest, up until now, uh, the Jews could go to the, to the uh, tabernacle or to the temple and make their sacrifices and there would be a high priest. But one day they would come and someone would say, did you know the high priest died last night? No. Well, what are we going to do now? Well, we're going to appoint a new high priest. Who's it going to be? Well, it's going to be such and such. Well, I don't know him very well. Oh, he's a pretty good fellow. You'll get to like him. And they had to get all over again. And, and the writer of the Hebrews says, here is one who knows all your weaknesses, who knows all your needs, knows all about you. When you come to him, he'll understand you completely. And can you imagine when the new high priest came and was appointed and you walked up there? He didn't know anything about you whatsoever. And he had to go in before God to represent you. But he says, we've got a better high priest. We've got a faithful high priest who knows all your weaknesses, all your needs, and he'll intercede for you. He'll never die. He's always there, and he's faithful. Glory to God. Hold on. Don't, don't, don't get excited. Don't shout too much. Don't let those two or three affect you too much here. Revelation 1, 5 talks about Jesus Christ being the faithful witness. Revelation 1 5 being the faithful witness Jesus said I've come to do thy will O God He not only came in obedience to the father, but he said he came to do the will of God He said now if it's possible that this cup be removed from me Let it be so but nevertheless not my will but thine be done He said he I only say what the father says I only do what I see the father do and the scripture says he was obedient unto death even the death of the cross He was a faithful witness now, when we say faithful witness, we don't mean that Jesus Christ was faithful 80% of the time or 60% of the time. It means he was absolutely faithful. You see, I said it's a many times that word is used much, but it's not totally understand when we talk about true faithfulness. In Revelation 3.14, it speaks of him being the faithful and true witness. Not only a faithful witness, but a true witness, a believable witness. Do you know some Christians today that aren't too believable of a witness? You know some people today that tell you that they're Christians and when you look at them you say, well, okay. Not too believable. But the Word says that he was a faithful and a true witness. Revelation 19.11. This picture in Revelation 19 is a picture of what we call the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's when Jesus Christ comes back to the earth as Lord of Lords and King of Kings. On his vestures printed the words Lord of Lords and King of Kings across his vesture. And uh, when he comes back, the scripture says there in the 11th verse, with his saints, Behold a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called what? Faithful and true. Verse 13, his name is called what? The Word of God. Where is the Word of God settled forever? Is it faithful? Can it fail? Jesus Christ is the Word. Jesus Christ is the, the faithful and true witness. Can he fail? The very nature of Jesus Christ is faithfulness, steadfastness, constancy. Jesus Christ the same, what? Yesterday, today, and forever. It's his very nature, the Word of God says. You can depend on it. I thank God for that truth. 
Now, if it's true that God's nature is faithful, God the Father, and Christ's nature is faithful, then there ought to be, like Father, like Son, one more step that automatically should be expected. Am I right? Point three, the believer's nature should also be the nature of faithfulness. You hear me? Like Father, like Son. The Scripture says, But as many as received him to them gave he power to become what? Sons of God, even to them that believed on his name. Sons of God, heirs of God, joint heirs with Jesus Christ, born into the family of God, no longer citizens of earth, but citizens of heaven. You have been not been redeemed with perishable things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus. Now you are a peculiar people, a holy nation, a, a, a priesthood of believers. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. Jesus, as he was here on earth, made a declaration, I am the light of the world. And then as he was getting ready to leave the earth, he said, Now ye are the light of the world. And as the Father hath sent me, in another place Jesus said, So send I you. How did the Father send Jesus? To be a faithful and true witness of the Father. When you see me, you see the Father. I only do and say what the Father says. Now, Jesus said, as the Father hath sent me, so send I the preachers. So send I the apostles. That isn't what he said, is it? Be ye holy even as the Lord your God is holy. Well, now, Brother Webb, he doesn't really mean, I mean, let's get practical. I mean, this is really ridiculous. I mean, is it? We use that word a lot, don't we? But do we really understand what it means? 2 Corinthians 3.3. 2 Corinthians 3.3 tells me something here that ought to really alarm us. 2 Corinthians 3, 3, it says, Ye are manifestly declared to be the what? 2 Corinthians 3, 3. Ye are manifestly declared to be the... What's an epistle of Christ? Known and read of all men, but what is that? What does it mean to be an epistle of Christ? When they see you, they should see in the flesh what Jesus Christ is really like. Isn't that what it's saying? When I read the epistles, they manifest and make clear to me Jesus Christ. When men and women see me, they say what he's actually saying is, you're the gospel of Jesus Christ according to Joe Webb or Jerry Sapp or Roger Everett or, or whoever you are this morning. You are the gospel to the world. You are the gospel of Jesus Christ. And men are reading you. They say, well, I try to keep it as quiet as I can. I, I don't want to discredit the name of the Lord. It doesn't make a difference. He said, you shall be witnesses. He didn't say you'd be good witnesses, but once you declare the name of Jesus Christ, everything you say and everything you do, cast a shadow or a light on the reality of the person of Jesus Christ. Hello? Now, I know that sometimes, I imagine sometimes there have been times in my children's lives when they wish they didn't have to say that they were PKs. But they are witnesses of PKs, whether they want to be witnesses of PKs or not. That doesn't mean pitiful kids. It means preacher's kids. When they go out, 
It doesn't make any difference what the rest of the crowd does, but did you hear what Jody and Jeff did? Why? Well, they're the preacher's kids. Did you hear what David Ware did? Why? He's an officer's kid. Did you hear what the Pletcher's kids did? Why? Well, so what? Well, the rest of them, well, they're all right. Yeah, but they're officers' kids. What's happening? The world says, did you hear what brother and sisters did the other night at a party? No, what? Well, so what? Well, they profess to be what? You know something the world expects more from Christians than a lot of Christians expect? I believe that. And they're just looking to see if you're faithful or not faithful. And let me tell you, I've many times... When the world was watching me, when I used to work, when I was going to Bible college and sometime go home and work, when they would think, one time I said something to somebody and somebody else came up and said, what did you say? I said, what's the problem? I heard that. I said, what did you hear? They said, I just heard you cuss. I said, no, you didn't hear me cuss. I did. I was listening. I thought, Phew. I said, ask him what I said. And he told him, he said, oh. I thought you cussed, <laughs> and I know you're supposed to be a Christian. You're even back before you're supposed to be a preacher. I'm an epistle, written and read of all men around me. The Living Bible puts it this way. You are a letter from Jesus Christ, written by the Spirit of God. Hebrews 5.20 says, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. What does that mean, an ambassador? Lately, you've heard about ambassadors being sent home from different countries. It means that we represent a foreign country. We are the representative of that country. We are the spokesman of that country. When others see us, they judge the country by us. Did any of you ever read The Ugly American? I wonder if somebody's going to someday write a book, The Ugly Christian. The typical idea of the ugly American was someone that came over there dressed in sloppy clothes, looking for a chance to let all their morals go and to, and, and to be greedy and to get all they possibly could do, uh, get from people without having to pay for it or to try to swindle people. The ugly American. And I wonder how many of the world today are talking about ugly Christians. It doesn't make any difference what we say. They watch to see if it comes back the echo comes back in our daily walk. And I've said it before, it doesn't make any difference how high you want to jump and how loud you want to shout, but boy, when your feet hit the ground, you better walk straight because the world is looking to see if you and I are epistles. I mean, seeing what our, what our, our message is because we are epistles of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Bible does teach that others should be able to see in us Christ's nature and characteristics. That when they look at us, they should see Jesus Christ in us. Now, when I say that to you, I'm saying that to myself, too. It was true of past saints. Let me just read a few verses to you about past saints. Moses, Hebrews 3, 2. It said, Moses was faithful in all his house. In the fifth verse of the third chapter of Hebrews, Moses was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony. God used Moses, and I believe God used Moses because Moses was faithful. Daniel, the sixth chapter and the fourth verse, 
It said, He was faithful, neither was there any error or fault found in him. Daniel. Let me tell you something. There was an epistle written and read of all men. Those other wise men were trying their best to find something wrong with Daniel to knock him out of his office. They sent people around to spy on him night and day, and they finally came to the conclusion, if we're going to get this sucker, the only way we're going to do it is to get something about his religion. Let's go to the king and say that nobody can bow down to any other god but him, the king himself, for the next 30 days. And they got it, the edict written, and they came, and that's the only way they could get Daniel. I wonder if they could get us on that same charge, that every day Daniel was in prayer. They knew when Daniel was in prayer. But the word says that Daniel was faithful. You see, I, I said it's a many used time, that word is used so many times, but little understood in the church today. When it speaks of Lydia, and when Lydia is speaking in the book of Acts, the 16th chapter and the 15th verse, Lydia was the seller of purple, you'll remember. She spoke to Paul and uh, those workers with him, and in the 15th verse of the 16th chapter said, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. Now you know that Jesus sent the disciples out, and he said, If you go to a house and you speak peace to that house, if that peace comes back to you, then you'll know that you're not to stay there. But if you go into a community and they don't receive your message, go out and shake the dust off your feet. Just stomp your feet, get the dust off it, and leave them, and it'll be better in that day for Sodom and Gomorrah than it will be for that city. And she says, now, you brethren, look at my life. If I'm really faithful and you know that I'm serious about the things of God and you can see faithfulness in my life, then come and dwell in my home while you're here. How many homes today do you think, in, when we look at the general body of Jesus Christ today, how many homes do you think Paul the Apostle would be able to stay in and feel comfortable? Hello? Think about it. Would he be comfortable in your home or mine? Paul speaking in Timothy. I mean, of Timothy, excuse me, in 1 Corinthians 4, 17. It's interesting how Paul characterized Timothy. He said, I have sent unto you, <clears throat> Church of Corinth, I have sent unto you Timotheus, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord. He is steadfast. He is constant. He is consistent. You can depend on this young man. He's going to be there when the time comes for him to be there. Paul is speaking of himself in 2 Timothy, or 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. Speaking of his own experience and of Jesus Christ, he said, Jesus Christ counted me faithful putting me into the ministry. So important for us to see how God in the past has used those who have been faithful. When Paul wrote to the church of Ephesus, it's interesting how he began that book in Ephesians 1.1. He wrote it to the saints and to the faithful. Did you know that there are rewards promised to those who will be faithful? God doesn't just say you will either be faithful or else. He says, I, I really want you to be faithful because it's going to be for your good and I can bless you when you're faithful. Let me share a few of the promises from God's Word concerning faithfulness. Would you look at Psalm 31, 23? Psalm 31, 23. Psalm 31, 23. Would you read it with me? 
O love the Lord, all ye his saints, for the Lord preserveth the faithful and plentifully rewardeth the proud doer. Now, if you and I are faithful to the Lord, here is a promise that we can claim because it comes from God himself, and he cannot fail because his word is settled forever in the heaven. Do you want to be preserved? That word also means protected. Do you want to be protected by the Lord? In every circumstance of life, do you want to be able to declare, as the scriptures declare, no weapon that is formed against you will prosper? That's a promise that you and I can claim if we are what? Faithful to the Lord. The Lord preserves, preserves or protects the faithful. The Living Bible puts it, the Lord protects those who are loyal to him. I just spoke to you about Daniel being faithful, didn't I? Did God protect Daniel? He gave a whole flock of kitties lockjaw overnight, didn't he? Hungry kitties. When Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, he just said, shut up and lay down, I need a pillow. And they curled up and he laid his head on their side and fell asleep until the next morning when the king came. And it wasn't because the kitties weren't hungry, because when he was thrown out, taken out and the other men and their wives and children were thrown in, they were caught in midair and torn to pieces by these hungry animals. But the Lord preserves the righteous. Do you believe Daniel believed that? How about the three Hebrew children who got fireproof religion? Uh-huh. Praise God. Some of you say, Brother Webb, why did God, why does God put me through the furnace of experience? Well, he's always had his choice servants. He only throws his choice servants into the furnace. And he never heats it up any hotter than he absolutely has to to burn up the dross and get rid of the, all the things that are binding them up. All right? Do you believe that the three Hebrew children could sing a song that God is faithful and preserves the righteous? Paul the apostle in shipwreck, when he was just about ready to have a shipwreck, he went to prayer and said, now, Lord, what is the lesson you want me to learn through this? Is there, do you want me to learn some, something about swimming or what is it, you know? And the Lord says, Paul, no one is going to be injured. I'm going to protect everyone. If they'll do what I tell you, to, if they'll do what you tell them to do when I tell you what to do, no one will be harmed and no one will be lost. And so Paul went up and said, God has just shown me that none of us are going to be harmed. We're going to be protected if you'll just do what I tell you to do. And they did what he told them to do, and no one was harmed. The Lord preserves the righteous. Peter in prison. I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but when the Roman army or the Roman military said to the innkeeper or the jail keepers, not the innkeepers, the jail keepers, I'm going to hold you personally responsible that you see to it that this man is kept safely in this prison. Yes, sir. They said it that way. It meant if he gets loose, you don't. Your life depends on it. So what did they do? They took him all the way back into the inner prison. We would call it solitary confinement, of utmost security. They put him back there and they said, just in case, let's shackle him to some other guards on the wrists and on the ankles to the guards on each side. And at midnight they were down there. The guards were trying to sleep, but they were singing praises to God at midnight. And the Lord knew that they were planning on killing Peter. And the Lord preserves the faithful. God still had a plan and a purpose for Peter. And the scripture says in the middle of the night when they finally got tired and fell asleep that the angel came up and smacked Peter on the thigh and says, get up, Peter. And as he got up, the chains just slipped off on the floor 
And he walked toward the door and said, big deal, I'm out of these shackles, but look at that big steel door. And as he walked toward it, it opened up quietly, and Peter walked out. And when he got out to the outer one, it opened up, and all the guards were asleep. And the next thing he knew, Peter was being led by the angel out to the street, and the angel disappeared. Peter, do you believe that God protects the faithful? For some reason, I've got some kind of a, somewhat of a conviction that he must. Of course, that was back then. You see, God doesn't do that anymore. Hmm? I got news for you. God still does. He preserves and protects his faithful people. Be faithful to the Lord if you want him to protect you. Proverbs 28, 20. Not just protection. Glory to God. Whew, I could shout right now when I think of this verse. Proverbs 28, 20. 28, 20. The faithful man shall abound with blessings. The faithful man shall abound with blessings. See it? What does it say? Read it. If we're faithful, we can say, I shall abound with what? Say it. I shall abound with blessings. Say it again. I shall abound with blessings. A faithful man shall abound with blessings. You say, well, I've been faithful. I haven't abounded with blessings yet. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the Lord. Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season ye shall reap if ye, what? Faint not. I know that many times I cast out seed and I'll say, Lord, quick, bring me my, my harvest. And he says, not time yet. But if you'll be faithful, 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 it will come. It will come. I have promised that the faithful man will receive blessings. Hallelujah. Let me ask you something. I'm not going to apply. I, I, I'm going to have to quit here. I've got so much more I want to say. Are you faithful to God? Are you faithful in doing what God's Word tells us to do as believers? Are you steadfast, consistent when people look at your life, when they look at your daily experience? Can they say that is a faithful saint of God? You can count on them. You can depend on them. They're always there. They'll always do. They'll always be. There's no vacillation. Can you say that? Can they say that of you? If they can, then they can expect the blessings of God to come to you. They can expect the protection of God to be on your life. Whether that blesses you or not is still true. Praise God. Luke, the 12th chapter, verses 42 through 44. Jesus was warning his disciples to be ready when he comes back. Luke the 12th chapter, verses 42 through 44. I'm going to read it to you out of the Living Bible. I won't read both of them this morning. Uh, Peter was saying to the Lord after he had warned them, he said, To whom were you speaking, us or all? And the Lord replied, I'm talking to any faithful. Get this now. He was warning the, the, the servants that he would go away, but he would come back again and they should be ready when he comes back. Absolutely essential that they be ready when he comes back. And the Lord replied, I'm talking to any faithful, sensible man whose master gives him the responsibility of feeding the other servants. 
If his master returns and finds that he has done a good job, there will be a reward. His master will put him in charge of all that he owns. What if he's not steadfast? What if he's not consistent? What if he's not trustworthy? What if he's not found doing his duty when he comes back? Verse 47 says, He will be severely punished, for though he knew his duty, he refused to do it. Would you look in chapter 12 there in verse 48? What does it say there? To whom much is given, what? Much is required. Jesus is saying here to his servants, he says, when I have left a, a, a responsibility and a ministry and a calling and a gift and a purpose and a plan for your life, if you do it, I'm going to honor you, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to prosper you, I'm going to protect you, but if you don't, you're going to be severely punished because you know what you ought to do and you aren't doing it, and to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is what? What does God do about sin? He punishes sin, doesn't he? Because he is faithful, he is steadfast, and he cannot lie, and to whom much is given, much is required. God honors faithfulness. Let me say this. God doesn't honor just success. God honors faithfulness. There are many times when I haven't succeeded in things that I've done, but I have desired to please God, and God honors faithfulness when he can't honor success sometimes if we succeed in doing some things that are not pleasing to him. But God expects faithfulness on our part. Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter, and the, or excuse me, the seventh chapter and the ninth verse. Deuteronomy 7, 9. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. I stated last week that that word faithfulness is a much used but little understood word. It means doing one's duty, to be loyal, to be constant, to be steadfast in your devotion to a loved one, or being true to a person or to a duty. That's what it means to be faithful. And I stated, first of all, that God is faithful. His nature is faithfulness. It's the very nature of God to be faithful. When you can trust no one else, you can trust God. When you fear someone else is going to fail, you never need to believe that God is going to fail. Oh, you may say, well, I think he failed. Well, you don't know all the facts because God never fails. I went on to say that it's the very nature of Jesus Christ to be faithful. He never fails. Like Father, like Son. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And everything that you see in Jesus Christ is in the Father, because the two were one. And Jesus Christ never fails. There's a, there's a course. Jesus never fails. Heaven and earth may pass away, but Jesus never fails. If you've not learned that yet, you ought to write it down and put it above your sink. You ought to put it on the dashboard of your car. You ought to put it on the mirror in the bathroom. You ought to put it everywhere you go around. Jesus never fails. He is absolutely faithful. He cannot fail, for he's God. Then quickly I went on and said that it is the true believer's nature. When I talk about a true believer, someone who has genuinely repented of their sins, 
reached out by faith and trusted Christ's death in their behalf for their sins, yielded their life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, and have been born again by the Spirit of God, evidenced by the fact that inasmuch as they are now in Christ, they are a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I'm sorry I have to be so definitive today, but in many churches, that term, saved, born again, Christian, have been misused. And so I have to explain what I'm talking about before I say it, so that when I say it, you'll understand what I said. And so I'm talking about a true, born-again, repentant believer, someone who has yielded their life to the Lordship of Christ and are trusting Him daily to conform them into His image. Their nature should be found to be faithful. The nature of the believer should be found to be faithful. If anyone should be able to be depended upon, it should be a child of God. When a Christian says yes or when a Christian says no, there should never be a shadow of a doubt whether they meant it or didn't mean it. Jesus said, let your yes be yes, your no, no. Whatsoever else is beyond that is of sin. Now, stop and think a minute. How many people that profess to be Christians can you look at and know that you can depend on them continuously? Hello? How many can you look around and say, thank God I know that that person's dependable? When they say it, it's done. How many ought to be like that? Like father, like son. We have received a new nature, the word of God says, whereby we cry, my father, my father, and his likeness is to come into us to where we become conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. Now you say, Brother Webb, you're just asking too much. How can anybody live up to that standard? I'm simply telling you that that's what God's word says should be the standard for God's people. Faithfulness. Now, I understand it's not happening today, but it ought to happen because we're his representatives. Do you know, it's an interesting thing lately. I have been talking to different ministers, had opportunity to sit down and share with them, and how they love the Word of God, how they believe the Word of God. And in the next breath, they're telling me how they're either going to get about ready to get voted in or about ready to get voted out of the church. And I said, it's an amazing thing to me how you know the authority of the Word of God. You know the authority of the fact that you have been called of God, but you don't know the authority that backs up that calling of God. Do you know that Jesus said to his followers, He that receiveth you receiveth me. And he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. He says that when you and I walk in, being born again of the Spirit of God, and we go in obedience to God's Word and the leading of the Holy Spirit and say something to someone, if they accept it, they're accepting Christ. If they reject it, they're rejecting Christ. Did you know that? Wow. Think about it. If that's the case, and you and I represent Christ, when they look at you and when they look at me, they're saying, is that what God's like? Have you ever stopped and thought about that before? When you go and minister to someone else... You are Christ's ambassador. You are his spokesman. You are his representative. And how they treat you is the reaction. And Jesus said it's just like rejecting or accepting me. Now don't get all upset about that. That's exactly what he said about himself. He said you believe in God, believe also in me. If you don't believe in me, you haven't got a, a hope of heaven. Because I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Let me ask you something. Where is Christ? Come on. 
in you. Where are you? Oh, are you one? Then what's the difference between you and your relationship to God and Christ and his relationship to the Father? You say, well, he was sinless, absolutely sinless. My sins have been washed away, and he wants me to allow the Spirit of God to be in such control of my life that when others look at me, they see a little Christ. And it's only when we make that total yieldedness to the Spirit of God that that nature of faithfulness comes out. Now, he said, when, when you come to that position as a Christian, now, I realize there are a lot of Christians who say, well, Brother Webb, that's just not in my life. Well, now, don't get down to the dumps and let the devil just dump guilt and, and uh, unworthiness and everything else all over you. You know, it's one thing, as the, as the man used to tell me when I was just a young boy in high school and I was boxing in golden gloves. Man, the first thing in the ring, I'd get out there and the guy would punch me in the nose and I had a, a little blood vessel in there that as soon as it'd get hit about like that, it would start bleeding. And once in a while, I'd either slip or get knocked down. One or two, I'd find myself on my back in the ring. And, and I came over, I said, man, what did I do wrong there? He said, don't worry about it. Don't worry about how many times you get knocked down. The important thing is to get up again and go. And the old devil says, see, there you are down near your back again. You failed. You messed up again. You're so, well, how can you call yourself a Christian? Don't let him do that to you. Say, I failed in the name of Jesus, but I'm not a failure because Christ is in me, and I have authority, and I rebuke Satan in the name of Jesus, and I'm going to walk, and I'm going to be like Jesus Christ. I'm going to yield that area of my life to him, and I'm going to believe him to change me and make my nature like his. To where when I say yes, people say it's yes. If I say no, people say it's no. I have the nature of Christ in me, and I will be faithful. Now, what does God say he's going to do? I said last week, first of all, he said that you will abound with blessings. He'll see to it that a faithful man will abound with blessings. You want blessings in your life? Abound? To abound in your life? He said, be faithful. He said, well, Brother Webb, I tried that. You never know, heard somebody say, well, I tried Jesus. I tried religion. I say, boy, forget that. You don't try Jesus. He's not a pair of shoes. You either say, He is Lord, and if He's Lord, there is nothing that He'll bring into your life of what you'll say, Father, I don't understand it. Lord Jesus, I don't understand it, but that doesn't make any difference. I said, You're Lord, my life is yours, and I yield to this thing before you in the name of Jesus. But He said, If you will be faithful, 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 he, you will, you will abound with blessings. I believe with all my heart, there are literally millions of Christians who were faithful, 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 finally said, well, it just doesn't pay, and they quit. Wrong motive. Wrong motive. We're faithful because he was faithful. We love him because he first loved us. He said next, he's going to preserve the faithful. Now, I've seen a lot of them that look pickled, but that's not what he's talking about. You've seen some saints that look pickled? That's not the kind of preservation he's talking about. He's talking about keeping you in the hour of trial and testing. When you depend on him completely, he says he'll preserve the faithful. And you say, well, Brother Webb, it just doesn't work for me. Of course it doesn't. You're going around saying it doesn't work. If God's word says it, how can you call God a liar and say it doesn't work? Well, I just tried it and it just didn't work. You don't try it. You just believe it and you walk it to the very end. If you die, you still say he's faithful. What did the three Hebrew children say? We know. We know, King that our God can deliver us from the fiery furnace. But if he doesn't, it doesn't make any difference. We're still not going to bow down to your idol. 
Now, that's faithfulness, isn't it? Some people say, well, I tried it. It just didn't work. They said, it doesn't make any difference. It doesn't work in this life. You pitch us into the fire and we go on a glory trip. Now, that kind of religion is fireproof, let me tell you. They came out of there without the smell of smoke on them because God preserves the faithful. You think it's not important to talk about these things? The next one says the Lord protects the faithful. I don't know about you, but I'd much rather have the Lord protect me than to have the guards Anwar Sadat had around him. <laughs> the Lord protects his servants. The Lord can cause men's eyes to be blind and ears to be deaf. He can cause your, you to be able to walk right through the midst of a crowd without them seeing him. You say, well, where do you get that? Well, Jesus did it. They led him right up to the brink of a, a cliff and were going to throw him over. And the scripture says that he walked right through their midst and they didn't even see him. You say, well, yeah, but that was him. Quit that. Quit saying, but that was him and this is me. I just told you that you and I have the same relationship in God as Jesus had with the Father. Right? Isn't that right? The only difference is Jesus believed it. He believed it. He didn't say, now, Father, you know, this is, this is going to be a toughie. You know, that, 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 that guy's already been in that tomb for four days. <laughs> Lord, uh, if you don't help me now, I'm really in deep, deep trouble. Didn't even say that. He just looked up and wept because of the unbelief of the people, and he said, Lazarus, come forth. I've heard of people going down under the power, but they're where he came up under the power. Bounced as a mummy right out in front of the door, just, you know, straight up, all wrapped up in grave clothes. He said, loose him and let him go. Because Jesus believed. That, and, and you and I need to begin to believe that God does protect. And he says he rewards the faithful. Now, I, I've seen people give rewards to people, but I guarantee you I'd rather have God's reward any day than man's reward. But we will not get it if we're not faithful. You hear me? You know something? There are many sets of ears here this morning, and some people hear me, and others Hear me, but there's a difference between hearing and hearing. And Jesus said, be careful what you hear. Be careful how you hear. Do you hear me? If you want God's blessing, if you want God's protection, if you want God's honor, if you want God's constant presence in your life, he says, just be faithful. We cannot have God's promises without fulfilling God's requirements. You say, well, Brother Webb, I've tried to be faithful, but no one appreciates it. Isn't that shame? You know that nobody's come around and even said, brother or sister, I just appreciate so much what you're doing. Jesus had that problem on the cross. Jesus had that problem with the Roman guard. Jesus had that problem everywhere he went. Read the history in Mark's, Fox's book of martyrs about the 12 disciples. You'll have to get in line in the complaint department. Because you won't measure up to what they already had to pay. He didn't say be faithful to people around you if they appreciate it. He said you be faithful me unto what? Death. Unto death. And you'll receive the, the crown. Now you see that we're talking about a totally different standard and level of faithfulness that most of it, than most of us would even understand. We have hardly even had to pay anything for our walk in faith in Jesus Christ. We are so privileged as a people. 
If you ever read the Siberian 7, the book The Siberian 7, you'll begin to just get a little comprehension. When I read it, I just got exhausted inside when I thought of the tremendous pressures these people constantly had. I thought, I wondered if I could have stood up to see my children taken out of my home and put into a communist school, to see my husband taken away and me left with no means of support whatsoever and have him put into a prison, uh, into a concentration camp where he had to do hard labor year in and year out with almost no food whatsoever, come back as a living skeleton and then not be able to get any work because they said you're one of those believers. But they were faithful, 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 faithful for years and years and years. Saw their son dragged away from them and beaten almost senseless. You know, we haven't even begun to pay a price. We, we hardly can even talk about faithfulness or sacrifice because we don't know what it is. Sacrifice to many people today is being willing to get out of bed on a Sunday morning when it's raining and get in the car and come to church. That's a sacrifice for some people today. We don't understand that principle of sacrifice. You say, well, nobody appreciates me. Thank God, you don't need anybody to appreciate you. If you're doing it as under the Lord, he says, I see your handiwork. Isn't that so, Brother Walt? Isn't that so? I see your handiwork. I'll tell you something. I don't know. I've said it over and over again, but that was a tremendous blessing to me when God spoke that word to Walter. Because there's times I've gone into my closet and I said, God, look where you put me. Do you even know I'm still here? You know, this coming January will be nine years that Beverly and I have labored here. And there are many times I wondered, Lord, are we even, even making a scratch in the surface of the ministry that needs to be done? He says, I didn't call you to be successful. I called you to be faithful. The rest of it is my responsibility. And that's why I tell you, I'm here because God put me here, and I'm going to stay here until he drags me out. Because I don't care if there is much fruit or small fruit. I want to be faithful to Him. Because He has promised to bless and He has promised to protect. I can't tell you the blessings and the protection God's put over us. You know, He promised, He gave me a promise years ago. He said He protects, He said in His Word, He protects fools and children. In case you don't know it, I'm not a child anymore. And he protects me continuously. And I thank God for that protection that's mine and it's mine as I'm faithful to the Lord. Now, let's go on very quickly here. And that is, God not only honors faithfulness, but God expects faithfulness. God expects faithfulness. And I'm really concerned today because in most churches, there are very few that you can point to and say they are faithful. They are dependable. You can count on them. You know, in every body, there are certain ones you know you can go and ask them to do thus and such, but don't you ask them to do this. I'm willing to do that. Don't touch me over here, though. And you just find that there are a multi-surface, what do you want to say, a multi-surface stone. There are certain sides of that stone you can touch, but you don't touch the other side of that stone. And the Word says we're to be totally transparent. The Word says, that, well, you say, well, I can't do that. Well, I didn't ask you to do it. I said to ask for you to ask God to help you to do it. Moses says, I can't speak. God says, who made your tongue? And you know, many times we'll be faithful. In, now, pastor, let me just define this for you. See this very narrow line right here? Now, you ask me to do anything right in there, and I'll, uh, yeah, well, this narrow that Right in there. Now, I'll do that if you ask me. But don't you dare ask me over here.
It's not a modern, just a modern-day problem. There have been problems down through the, the history of the Word of God concerning finding faithful people. Let me just read a few verses to you from the Old Testament to show you that this is not a unique problem that's just come up in the 20th century. David, in Psalm 12, verse 1, I'm going to read it to you out of the Living Bible. Listen to what he said. Help, Lord! Godly men are fast disappearing. Where in all the world can dependable or faithful men be found? David was having some problems. Help me, Lord, I'm just trying to find some faithful men. Where in the world can I find faithful men? I think that most pastors could use that as their life verse in most churches. Finding faithful men. Solomon said in Proverbs 28:20, A faithful man, who can find? A faithful man, who can find? He went on in Ecclesiastes, after he had done many good works and had worked with thousands and thousands of people, he came up with this conclusion, there I could not find, and not just one man among a thousand have I found who is upright or just. One, fewer than one man in a thousand could I find that is upright and just and dependable and faithful. Wow. That's some odds, isn't it? Fewer than one. Boy, God's been good to us and blessed us here in this church. I, I, I have to tell you that right now. But God was even speaking in, of the nation of Israel. He was talking that he was going to have to punish Israel. He was going to have to judge Israel. And he wanted to find someone who would help him to turn the nation around, become concerned and stand in the gap. And listen to what he said in Ezekiel, the 22nd chapter in the 30th verse. Ezekiel 22, 30. I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land. Talk about a calling. God says, I was just looking for one man that would get concerned and stand and intercede for the nation of Israel that would have stood in their behalf and interceded for them. Just one in all the nation of Israel. What does it say? But I found none. Isn't that pitiful? God was looking for just, he says, can I find, in all of Israel, can I find just one man that's concerned enough for the nation of Israel that they'll stand in the gap and pray? God says, I couldn't find one. You talk about problem finding faithfulness. Paul had it in his ministry. He says, Demoth hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Paul even had him in his ministry. And when Paul saw this in the ministry, he began to exhort. And when he wrote to, first, to the church of Corinth in 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and, true, 1 and 2, look at it with me. 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2. 1 Corinthians 4, verses 1 and 2. This was written to the believers in Corinth. How many here this morning are born-again believers? Let me see your hand. All right. Is this written to you too then? All right. Let's go. Let a man so account of us. Who? Who? Who's us? Oh, us, here, this us, huh? Not that us back there, but that, this us today, all right? Then it's written to us. I guess we can go ahead and read it. We're not reading somebody else's mail. Let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Now, stewards means trustees or housekeepers of the mysteries of God or God's secrets. Let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ and trustees or housekeepers of God's secrets. What? Moreover... It is suggested. Oh. Is that a command? Or is that a preference? It is required 
in stewards that a man be found faithful. Jesus said it's not an option. Paul said it's not an option. I am not calling a group together for a public relations program. I'm calling an army together. And he said it is required of stewards. Those who handle the secrets of God, those who are the housekeepers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it is required that they be found faithful. That sounds pretty serious, doesn't it? This is why the Lord laid this message on my heart. He's saying to born-again believers, it's not an option whether you want to be faithful or not. When you have been called into my work, it is required that you be found faithful in God's work. You be found faithful concerning God's secrets and the mystery of God's Word. Now, if God says that to me, He's saying it to you. And if He's saying it to you, He's saying it to me. There is, in this day and age, a horrible thing, dichotomy, taking place in many churches. They'll say, well, now the pastor should be here. And we're dancing little flowers and programs down here. And uh, if God ever calls me to the ministry, then I know I'll have to go up here. Listen to me, men. Will you listen to me for a minute? There is not a man in this sanctuary this morning who professes that Jesus is your Lord who has any right, any privilege, any excuse to say that you have a right to be less of a Christian less committed, less yielded and dedicated to the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ than I am. Did you hear me? You say, Brother Webb, I don't speak. I, don't, I can't read. I can't do... I, I didn't say anything. Nowhere in the Word does it say you have to know how to read, but everywhere in the Word it says it is required that you be faithful. Faithful to, first of all, Jesus Christ. I'm not going to get into that right now, but I just want to tell you this morning that whatever your excuse may be, I want you to know that there is no excuse in God's Word. It is required if you are a steward of God's secrets, if you know the mystery of the gospel in your heart, it's required of you that you be faithful with what God has given you, proven to be worthy of His trust, one on whom the Master can fully depend, trustworthy in the Master's eyes. Still remember when Dr. Hammond was down in the charismatic church down in South Orlando where Beverly and I went that time when we were, I was prophesied over and the same day we received the automobile. The leadership of that church was called up to the front to be prophesied over and I just literally shook when I was sitting back. I hadn't been called up yet. And here was a man who was, a, a, he was in a business of his own and Dr. Hammond laid his hands on him and said, Now my son, God would say to you that there is an area that upon which I cannot build. There is a foundation that you have established upon which I cannot and I will not build. And that is in the area of honesty. Integrity was the word he used. He said, now you are a businessman, but there is a way in which you are operating in your business that lacks integrity. In other words, he was a cheater. And God says, I just want you to know I will not build on that, but I want to use you and I want to bless you and I want to prosper you, but I can't because you are not faithful in the area of integrity. Let me tell you something. You may not be involved much in the church, but God knows exactly what your nature is and what's in your heart every day of the week. And he says, I won't build on anything, but that which is faithful to me. He said, now I want to, I want to bless you, I want to prosper you, I want to establish you, I want to make you a ruler in your home, but I can't do it if you aren't faithful to me in every area. And I know what's in your heart. 
For some reason, some people think that when they get out of church, they put up a little umbrella over them and God doesn't see what's going on all week. Therefore, he doesn't hold them responsible. But then when they get to church, they drop the umbrella, walk in the door, and God says, ah, there you are, my faithful servant again, walking in to hear the word preached. Wrong will not compute. God says, I know what's in your heart every day of the week, and I require that you be faithful. And I'll honor you, I'll bless you, I'll prosper you, all those good things. The Living Bible says that same verse in Corinthians this way. The most important thing about a servant is that he does just what his master tells him to do. Isn't that beautiful? The most important thing about a servant is that he does just what his master tells him to do. You know something? (laughs) I wanted to finish this morning, and I'm not going to get finished. God has just laid this message on my heart so heavily that I cannot get through it. There's more here that needs to be understood. But I just want you to know this morning, God is saying, I'm not talking to the preachers now. I'm talking to God's people. I'm talking to those who hold within their bodies the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ, who know they've been redeemed from their sins, know that they've trusted Christ with forgiveness of sins. God says, you now come into an area of responsibility that none can escape. Now you say, Brother Webb, I'm not willing to take that responsibility upon me. Let me tell you something. The minute you accepted the privilege of sins forgiven, you walked into the area of responsibility, and it's not a case whether you'll take it or not. In that day, we will be judged by our faithfulness. Did you hear me? Well, now, all I wanted, Brother Webb, was I really, I just didn't want to go to hell, and I wanted my sins forgiven, but, you know, I, I, I keep singing, Lord, take my life and let it be. doesn't work that way. Take my life and take my wife. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Consecrated, Lord, to thee. That's the message. That's the plea. That's the cry of God's children. Now, let me tell you something. Anything short of that, we will be the ones to lose, not God. God will come to a man and try and try and plead and work with that man. And if that man absolutely refuses to come into obedience and faithfulness, God will just step over and raise up another man. He's done that with denominations. He's done that with nations. What did he say in Romans 9, 10, 11? He said, you Jews were so proud you thought you had the whole package. You thought you had everything going for you, and you failed to do what I told you to do. Now I've lopped off your branches, and I've grafted in the Gentile nations. And he said, now wait a minute, you Gentiles. Don't you get proud on me. You're not even the original branches in this tree of faith where Abraham is the root and the trunk. You're just a grafted-in branch. If I did that to the natural branches, don't you think I can't do that to you? I can rip you off too and throw you in the fire and burn you too. If you're not faithful to what I call you to do, I'm going to lop you off and throw you in the fire too. Many denominations have started up in the, in the fire of revival. Some of you have come out of denominations. Did you know when that denomination started, they had old sawdust trails and the old mourner's bench? And people used to go down under the power and they used to weep all night before God and crawl back and forth along the old mourner's bench to get right with God. Today, if the Holy Spirit moved in, they would feel so strange they'd want to go home. God just steps, moves them to the side and raises up another body that will be obedient to His Word. Now, if He's doing it with all them, don't think that He can't do it with you and me if we're not faithful. Paul the Apostle said, I fear. The man of faith said, I fear. Lest after having preached this gospel, 
God puts me on a shelf. Let me ask you something. Are any of you beginning to feel splinters in your britches from being shoved up on a shelf? If you're unwilling to be faithful to God, He's going to put us on a shelf. And I don't know about you, but I don't like sitting on a shelf. If you think those pews are uncomfortable, you ought to be on a shelf where there's a sharp edge on it. And when God puts you on the shelf, let me tell you something, you're shelved. And he says, my spirit will strive and strive and strive with men. He says, I am seeking for any man that will be faithful. And if he'll be faithful, I'll bless him, I'll honor him, I'll prosper him. I'll make all these things come to pass in his life. What a thrill it was last Wednesday night or week ago Wednesday night to have Dr. Hammond standing here and family after family, his hands will be on them. And he said, I'm going to prosper you. I'm going to prosper you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to multiply things back to you. I'm going to honor you. I'm going to lift you up now and I'm going to establish you. And I'd stand back, hallelujah. His word is true. And you know where he says it? In lives, families that I've seen have been walking with God and be faithful. You know, there's, there's some people that, that you just know God's going to bless them. They, they just can't avoid it. It's going to hit them just as sure as it can possibly hit them because you can depend on them all the time. And we'll talk about the important areas of faithfulness when I get back. Father, show me this morning what you're trying to say to us as a body of people. I ask in Jesus' name that you'll begin to establish in this body more than any other place that I've ever seen that you'll begin to establish in this body an individual commitment on the part of every believer that says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will be faithful. We'll not allow the excuses, we'll not allow the, the burdens, the problems of this day and age to sidetrack us anymore. Our whole purpose in life is to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, give us faithfulness in this body above and beyond anything we've ever seen before because I know that if we're faithful then you're going to bless us as a body you're going to honor us as a body you're going to protect us as a body you're going to make us fruitful as a body and that's what we want to see I know that except the Lord build the house they that labor labor in vain and I don't want to labor in vain here Father I don't believe that the men of this body want to labor in vain and I'm asking you in Jesus' name, begin to cause our men to make that total commitment to you. Lord, I don't care what it is or where it is or how it is. If you'll just speak to my heart, if you'll just show me, if you'll just impress upon my heart what you want me to do, I'll be faithful. I'll try it. I'll try it. I'll be anything you want me to be. Knowing, Father, that you're going to bless them for it. Praise your holy name. Praise your holy name. Praise your holy name. I just want to ask this morning, with every head bowed and every eye closed, and you just seeking the Lord's face yourself, if there be those of you this morning who say, I, I really need to be able to trust in a faithful God. I want to put my trust and my life completely in the hands of a God that cannot fail and a Savior that cannot fail so that my nature will become like His and that I can be dependable. And I need that touch in my life this morning. I want to know what it is to be in a right relationship with Jesus Christ. 
And you just slip up your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I need a special touch from God where I can be in that right relationship with Him and be faithful to His work. Yes, I see that hand. Are there others? Yes, I see that hand. God bless you. Yes, I see those hands. You can put them down. Anyone else? 